Hello and welcome to the Rest is Football question episode with me, Gary Lineker, Micah Richards and Alan Shearer. They're perched, ready, in place, primed. Um, so let's get cracking immediately with the first question from Ian Farrington. Loving the podcast. Every episode is a great listen. Good to hear. Thank you very much, Ian. Uh, when you were playing, did you care what shirt or squad number you wore? Yes. yes. Of course you yes. did. Of course yes. you did. <laughs> yes. I mean, no one wants to hear about defenders, so you two go first. What you number know. did you play, Alan? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I made my England debut in 10, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, ten. Yeah, yeah, zero flair. He borrowed yeah. my shirt for a game, Micah. <laughs> yeah, I did ten. Yeah. Um, didn't start off as a nine, but then got the number nine, and then mm. yeah, I mean, I, I, I had to wear the. I was, I don't know, I just felt felt different if I didn't have the number nine on. Yeah, well, the the top part of the nine is like your head, isn't it? <laughs> 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 I, I actually, funny enough, I played an, a few different numbers during my career. I started with, um, well, I made my debut as seven with Leicester because I played on the right wing for the first 30 odd games, which ruined my goal ratio, um, but never mind. And then I then I got in the um, in my true position up front and I, I, for some reason I, I had the number eight on my back and it kind of had it for quite a while. Then I played a few games with nine and I didn't score. So from that point onwards, I didn't ever wear nine again. I didn't want to wear it. Um, so I went back to eight. I played all my career at Leicester as eight. I went to Everton and played uh, number eight um, as well. And then um, I made my England debut and I sort of got in as with the number 10 shirt, which was the first time I'd ever worn number 10. Then I got, I got um, moved to Barcelona and I had the eight for the first season. And at the end of the season, I, I talked um, before about um, you were only allowed two foreign players. And it was me and Mark Hughes, but it didn't really happen for Mark. And he left to play for Bayern Munich on loan. And then he eventually went back to Manchester United. Um, so they brought back Bernd Schuster, who'd been there previously, but wasn't allowed to play during the period that I was there because of the two foreign players rule. But he wore the number eight when he was previously there and he was desperate to wear it. And he came to me saying, I want to wear the eight. I went, okay, I was wearing 10 by this stage with England um, and had just won the golden boot in Mexico. I thought I'd mention that. And um, so I said, well, okay, fair enough. I don't mind. I'll switch to 10. And then from there on in, I wore 10 for the rest of my career at um, both England and Barcelona and Tottenham. So, Come on, that, how did it really go, Gary? It just didn't go, oh, can I have number eight? He said, I'm number eight, basically. You're taking the number 10 and I'm having the number eight. Well, Is that how it went? He, he, was, he was bigger than me. <laughs> um, um, no, honestly, I, I, I wasn't that bothered. As long as I didn't want nine, I didn't want okay. nine. Just because I'd had that little spell with that with nine. I didn't, when I Southampton, I didn't have nine until later on as well because I made my debut at 17. I think I was 11. But if you remember then, it was only one to 11 anyway. It was no squad numbers or anything like no, that, was it? Yeah, so. that's right. And the sub was number 12. Yeah. Um, it, the, the whole squad thing changed. When did, when did that start? When was it that everyone kept their number and had the I suppose it probably started when you have the name on the shirt because you don't really if you change your number every week you've got to change your name on, on shirts 
What about you, Micah? What was your, your number two? Obviously two. Obviously. I, was number, I was number 45 to start with. Wow. It was a squad number. So you have all the first teamers, they get all the best numbers. And then uh, I started on number 45. And after the first season, yeah. I was just eyeing up that number two shirt. I was thinking. Who had it before? I, I think it was David Somme. So he was a center half slash right back, uh, French, I believe he was. And he was the nicest guy ever. And he said, no problem, just have it. And then for some reason, when I went to Fiorentina, I took the number four shirt and I was useless. And for some reason, I went to Villa and took the number four shirt again. I was useless again. So I will never wear number four so ever you went, in you my went life. from number two to number four. So yeah. you were twice as useless <laughs> at, at four as you were at two. Can I just say it's got fuck all to do with the number? <laughs> He's playing well. Isn't he? Yeah, oh, dearie me. Uh, I've got a question from Nick Ward who asks, with all the major reality game shows, Strictly, I'm a Celeb, MasterChef, etc., uh, on at the moment, have any of you been asked to take part in any, and is there one you would like to be part of? Loving the pod, keep it up. Thank you, Nick. Um, I can categorically say, um, no, I'm not interested in any reality show. And if you ever see me on one, you'll know things have gone bloody horribly wrong. <laughs> uh, it's always a desperation measure, isn't it? And, oh, Walter! Oh, Walter! I mean, come on. Why would you go and put yourself through the jungle? It's. I, th I think it's people trying to, I suppose, you know, trying to boost their career or save their career. Which Ian Wright's been in the jungle. That might Alex point entirely. <laughs> I think there were half a million reasons why he went in. Uh, yeah, it was funny. I saw I was Ian on Saturday, and I'm sure you saw it. I, I I walked in on Saturday, and he he was already in there. Actually, sitting in the office, and I, I I said to him, "Righty, we're done. I'm not speaking to you." And he's gone. What What do you mean? What do you mean? I went. I saw your Instagram this morning, and and did and and they did this like little quick. Q and A, and I'm sure you saw it, Alan. And it, and it, it one of the questions was Shearer or Lineker, and he went Shearer. Oh! And I went, and he went, oh, I, I was hoping you wouldn't see it. I, I said, righty, I said, righty. Not, I said, not only did I see it, but you didn't give it like a moment's thought. You didn't even go, oh, that's a difficult one. I'm not sure. Oh God, you've put me on the spot there. He just went Shearer. <laughs> Only because he's coming to the Milan game on Wednesday and knew you wouldn't get a ticket. His tickets, his tickets. Oh, well, that's it. That's Why didn't he tell me that if he had just said that? Oh, God. Anyway, I'm sure you... Uh, did you see that, Alan? Did you see it? Uh, I saw it, yeah. I, did, I didn't did, want to did. say anything. I bet you texted him as well, didn't you? I bet you went, oh, thanks, Ian. Thanks, Mike. <laughs> did you? He knows his stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, reality shows, that's where we were. Reality shows. Um, I, I've, I, there are no circumstances I'd go in the jungle. Um, I, can't, I can't watch it anyway. It's, it's, I mean, it used to be quite fun. I love Ant and Deck. They're great. But I, it's so repetitive. It's the same with Strictly. It's so. I mean, I know people love it, but I, I must say, I find it. I, I, I find it incredibly boring. <laughs> Ex 
it's exactly the same every series. Um, uh, there are no circumstances I'd go on that. Um, plus, as well, I mean, I can't dance for toffee. I'd be Mike, I'd listen to the, the old fucker. Listen time, to him. I'd spend the entire time trying to find my comfort zone. <laughs> no. That's the whole point to be outside your comfort zone. That's the whole point of the the programs, no? Exactly. Horrible. <laughs> Have you been asked to go on any, Micah? I've been asked oh, to go I'll on. Bet. Well, well, it's supposed to be private, so I'm not allowed to say. But yes, yes. you are. Yes, oh, you right, are. Okay. I've, I've been asked loads of times to go on all these things, but I, yeah, yeah. This, you're allowed to say if you've been asked. Well, to, I think the email. Micah, when it comes I can to say you. on Strictly. I think you'd be amazing on Strictly. There's Micah. no chance. Ever, I would ever go on strictly. Really? I, love Mike, I can see you chucking shapes left, right, and centre, man. <laughs> yeah, Alan, I must say, uh, he, he can't possibly ever go on strictly because he's on every other TV that show known true, to yeah. man anyway. <laughs> so, how's he going to fit it in? That is true. That is true. <laughs> I'd, go on, I'd go on SAS. I would go on that if my knee was okay. That's what I would love to do. He's, he's already given himself his out there. You see that? <laughs> if my knee was okay. I definitely wouldn't do that. And I also know how television works in terms of non-live television. That's why I love Match of the Day and doing the football. It's live. You know when you start, you know when you finish, you come on, it's a buzz. With all those things, they're just interminable. Alan, come on. You yeah, must the, the two boys asked uh, ask now and again for if I uh, if I ever want to go on uh, on 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 the jungle. I'm a cyberly, but you, you'd be brilliant at that. You know what? You would actually. I get kicked out. I'd never work in television again. I'd never be seen again. Before we did again. this podcast, everyone was like, "Fuck you know, Alan Shearer's a right boring twat, isn't he?" <laughs> and now we've <laughs> the same. No, no, no! You've done this podcast. Oh, Alan, he's brilliant. He's fantastic. He's unbelievable. I'm like, he's always been that. He just Micah, Micah. You know when he said they used to say he was a boring twat, and that is true. But now they've just lost the word boring. <laughs> I love it, lads. Love you too as well, boys. It salvaged his career, and I think I think the jungle would also do that. I think you'd be you'd be amazing. In the, I'd love I'm to petri- see you in the jungle. I'm petrified right? of heights. In fact, I, couldn't I do would. That. I'd start watching it again if you were on. <laughs> I'm sure you would. No Definitely. chance. I don't like I don't like heights, so I've got no chance. Don't like. Oh, me too. I, there's no are. way I could like. You know when they sometimes jump out of a bloody helicopter? Oh no 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 no! What's the oh, God? No, thank you very much indeed. Um, a question from Steve the Spring Maker. <laughs> Interesting name. Hi, Gary. My question is about what it feels like after a game. Obviously, the game takes a physical toll, but is there any sort of mental come down? And if so, how long does it last? Very good question, that. Very yeah, good question. Yeah, well, there is. There is a there is a come down after it's, you know, because it's such a buzz, isn't it, and high. And I always... You feel completely exhausted normally. It depends. I mean, towards the back end of your career, I mean, physically as well as mentally, I mean, physically, I struggle to get out of bed some mornings. My knees and my ankles were that bad. But it depends what happens in the game, I suppose, good or bad. The good things, I mean, they they last stay with you forever. But the bad thing, it's like you never, I mean, took me a couple of nights, sleepless nights if, if missed a penalty or whatever, but... Yeah, it's tough, yeah. God, you must have had a lot of sleepers now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great, isn't it? When you win, you're on top of the world. You can do anything you want. You could go 
on a, a, a bender drinking for, for days. <laughs> Here we go. And I don't want to bring it back to drink, but you could go on a bender and you could still play the next weekend and still play well. When you lose, I didn't sleep for two, three nights. It got to the stage where I wasn't even going up for lunch at, at Villa because I was in, so embarrassed to go and be seen for the performances I was putting in. So it could take a toll on you, but... I think that's what makes football so great. And this is why I love punditry and doing the podcasts and, and being with you guys because you get a little bit of the, the dressing room back, don't you? You know the stuff what you missed? We don't get the high of winning a game, but we still get to take the, the mick out of each other, which I'm missing yeah. in, in football. Yeah, we do. If, if I'm really honest, I, it, never, I never, it never really affected me too much after a game what, how, how it had how it had gone in terms of sleep or anything like really? that. Really? Yeah, I know I, I would never get too carried away if it's going no, well did. either. Um, and I think that's, I think that was... Did you ever stop nights out, you know, if you got a night out arranged no. and if no. you had a poor game or no. you got beaten or whatever, no. the number of times I went home and said, I'm mm. not going out, cancel it, forget Me it, too. I'm not out. Me too. No, no, really? never, never made any difference whatsoever. Mm. Um, but I wasn't, I mean, it's not like I went out partying stuff very often anyway. It's more um, going out for, for dinner and stuff like that. No, I never, no, honestly, I could put it behind, I think it's one of my strengths, to be perfectly honest. The, the fact that I wouldn't let things affect me one way or the other. I would, right. you know, obviously enjoy it more if you've, you've won and you've scored. Um, and, and I never liked it when I didn't score, but it, it, it wouldn't affect me for, for maybe an hour or two. All right. And then, then I'm, I'm, You're I'm, mentally strong, aren't you, guys? Honestly, you're mentally. Even just all the Twitter stuff and whatever. I, like, if I'm trending for a day, I'm like, what? It's like the end of the world. Like, I've done nothing wrong and I'm trending. I'm thinking, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> I've been trending again to, I mean, the last couple of days. It's, it's funny, though. It was a, there was a lovely one from... So I can't remember who, who, who posted it because I, I don't really look at Twitter much, but it did. somebody sent it me, actually. And or X as we now call it, and 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 they say, oh, I see Gary Lineker's trending again. What's he right about this time? He'd <laughs> <laughs> uh, be right occasionally. But anyway, no, I no things like that. I mean, other people's opinions, and uh, you know, you, the, the, you can't do anything about those things. You can't, you know, just can't let people bully you either. That's I think that's important. Just try to be un bullyable um and and stick by your principles really and if you feel something um is important um and then speak out about it and people will disagree and absolutely would say that they have every right to disagree if they if they wish everyone's entitled to opinion free speech and all that but i've I, one thing i will say about free speech from from those that don't like you um you're allowed free speech um when they agree with you. <laughs> when you when they don't, no, shut your mouth. Right, let's take a little break. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Caddy Kay, US Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics US, brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, 
Was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people <laughs> will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. He was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii, okay? And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy, and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Nicker, Micah Richards and Alan Shearer. We're ploughing quickly through your questions, well, as quickly as we possibly can to get as many as we can fit in. Um, Andy Taylor says, uh, love the podcast, uh, guys. Keep up the amazing work. Do you think Villa can actually mount a title challenge? Uh, They've been super impressive so far. And it also takes me to a question from Gary H. He says, should Villa look to spend relatively big in January to try and secure a top four slot or keep hold of the money until the summer. Hope the current squad can get us there and then purchase in the summer when more top draw players may be available if we are in the CL. Champions League, he means. So a couple of questions on Aston Villa, understandably so, because they're they're going really well. Uh, We answered in the main pod that we thought it's unlikely that um, they can win the title, but uh, possibly a Champions League place. But what should they do in the window? Go on, Micah, ex-Aston Villa. Uh, We talked about it before in the pod. You mentioned Watkins. If Watkins were to get injured, I know they've got Duran as well. But I would go out and potentially get an experienced striker that can see them through when they need to give Ollie Watkins a rest. Just a... You mean they should sign Alan Shearer? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine yeah. Shearer up top. It's quite bundering. <laughs> it it's not easy to get top quality strikers though, particularly in the in the January window, is it? No, not at all. No, I think maybe Newcastle might be looking for one as well. If the incentive is good enough, and we're not talking about top top quality, talking about Give me a name. Give me a name. Okay. Who would who would I go for? Ivan Tony, there's one. Mm. I, Ivan Tony could be a, a great one, yes. Good shout. But I, I think he would want to start every game. So it's very difficult if you want to still play the same system to have someone who can come into the team, could do a very good job, but not expected to play every week. And that's why it's a little bit difficult, you know? And you give him an extent, you get him on loan. If they get into the Champions League, 
then they get a bumper contract at the end of it, you know? Um, or a big bonus for getting them to a Champions League and they could go back on loan to whoever they're going to... I would go with someone like a Danny Ings mould, but not Danny Ings. Someone who you know can get... Like a younger Danny Ings. Who would I go for? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it's a good question this yeah, it's not easy it's uh, not so easy is it they're, they're, they're worth their weight in gold aren't they Alan yeah, yeah. no I, I, I don't I, going back to the question I don't I, I don't see Villa challenging for the title but I do see them mm. challenging to get into the top four and I think I think they will have to uh, they will have to recruit in January how many I'm not sure but um, it's always tough isn't it January but He's, again, like he's doing an amazing job. As I think Mike is googling own. old strikers. No, no, no. <laughs> I caught you. Caught you. Old strikers. Old I'm strikers. Either that, or he's arranging his Christmas night. You know, what, you, know what, you know what I'm going to go with. Go on. Go on. Someone left field, and you guys probably not seen him play. No disrespect, because we don't watch a lot of championship. Because we're always working. Not we, we see highlights, but we don't see the games. But someone like a a, a Brereton Diaz who was. At Blackburn, and who is now playing? Did you just say we won't know who he is? For no, fuck's I'm just saying. Sake. I'm, I'm just Play saying. Blackburn, Alan's former <laughs> No, but he's, he's not at Blackburn no more. No, but we know him. <laughs> yeah, no, but you, yeah, because I don't want to say someone who like who, who are God's earth. Someone like that who Kalechi Anacha. <laughs> he's not available. <laughs> someone just below the level is what mm. I'm trying to say. Gotcha. Uh, Baz Wilkes, when all of you were playing, what did you feel set you apart from other players in your position, which kept you at such a consistent high level? Uh, loving the podcast. Thank you. Um, well, scoring more goals than anyone else. Simple. See, yeah. 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 Micah? Oh, the pace, the power, the agility. Hey, you know, let, let, let's just talk about my career, my early talking about, we're talking, my about career. <laughs> talking about <laughs> yourself, not Zabaleta. Let, let, let's take me way back. Honest, if I could have stayed fit, if I could have stayed fit, if without my knees, the pace, the power, the agility, okay, the no. overlapping. Are we? Are we, are we are, do we have to listen to this shit, guys? If my auntie had, what <laughs> exactly. <that> one? <laughs> if I hadn't been injured, I might have scored seven hundred goals. Uh, okay, uh, now that's what set me apart. Early doors, early doors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alistair Gillespie asks, we are heading towards 14 plus US owners in the top flight. That majority could vote for a closed shop, no relegation. I think that will happen in the next five to 10 years. If it does, that's it for me. Mm. Do you think many football fans will feel the same if it is a closed shop at the top? I think they absolutely would. There'd be a massive revolt if you, were, if you weren't allowed... Um, um, promotion and relegation. But he makes a great point about the it's, ownership, it's doesn't he? Because you need point. 14 votes, don't yeah. you, in the yeah. uh, in the Premier League to get Do things through. Do you not think, though, if they did that, there'd, there'd be the kind of revolt that we yeah. saw with the Super League of, of supporters around the country and it would get quashed immediately? I, I, I'd certainly be one of those people that um, would be mm. rebelling to that. Because that's what, you know, you need that. I mean, I think that's what sets certainly football apart that that jeopardy you've I mean otherwise what happens uh, you know you've halfway through the season there's a few teams at the top and and everybody below I don't know fifth or sixth has got hardly anything to play for there's no you know the relegation thing is 
And 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 for teams in the lower leagues, you you've got to have that goal to be to be promoted. I mean, it would just ruin our game, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be, oh, it'd be devastating, wouldn't it? It won't happen. I, I don't think it would happen. It's a great point raised, but no, the Premier League, the Championship, or oh, the, the Football League is what it is because of the promotion and relegation. Yeah. No. Yeah, agreed. Rashid asks, how do players adjust with retirement? Of course, some go into management or punditry, but I'm talking about those who don't. Well, actually, that's a really serious point because I think um, a lot of players, a lot of players do struggle um, when their careers come to a close. Um, you know, the, the, the fame gradually um, dissipates, um, that buzz of, of waking up and playing a football match, um, the feeling... Um, the camaraderie, the banter that Micah talked about earlier that we now have a little bit um, on the podcast and when we do Match of the Day and other TV stuff. But for a lot of players who can't find a role um, in the game, um, obviously even now when they're earning lots of money, um, they they might look for something else. They might you know, invest in a business. It might go wrong. Sometimes it will work. Sometimes it won't. Um, a lot of players do really struggle with their mental health when when they finish the game. There's some remarkable statistic about divorce of players that have just finished between, I think, the age of 35 and 40. I think there's something like uh, well over 70% of players get get divorced. Um, you can see why, you know, dealing with a different life and things start to get a little bit out of control. So it's it's actually a serious issue, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah, totally understandable. That, um, I mean, you get everything done for you, and I mean everything. You got that buzz of scoring or running out in front of 50,000, 60,000, and the quicker you realise when you retire, you're never going to get that feeling again, the better, because some people go chasing that drug, and that drug, unfortunately, isn't there, and the quicker you realise that, the better it's, it is. Um, I mean, we've been really lucky that we still get a, the the buzz for doing what we what we do. But most um, most, oh yeah, it's, it, it is tough. It's really difficult. I mean, we, we were lucky uh, because we found something else to do, and we we played in an era where I mean, certainly I did. Um, you started to get in, you know, at the end of your career, certainly the middle of your career, um, where the the money started to go really big. Um, but you know, players get used to. You know, you earn a lot of money, but generally when you earn a lot of money, you also spend a lot of money. Um, how, how has it changed now, Micah, when players do earn a lot of them, astronomical sums of money, although they don't in the lower leagues, of course? Yeah, it's, again, a very good question. It is um, it is difficult. And you know when pundits or the media say you've just got to concentrate on your football. I agree with that, but only to a certain extent because when football's finished, you've got nothing to fall back on. There's a lot when, of life after football. There, there, <laughs> there is. So I started a property company when I was 18. When things weren't going right, or even when things were going right, I had a distraction from football 24 seven. So I was building up my property portfolio. I started doing development around the Leeds and Manchester area. And it just gave me a purpose after football. So I didn't know I was going to be a pundit after football. To be honest, the way my career ended, I didn't want to be anywhere near football because of how I was feeling, my lack of form, the fans turning on me, feeling worthless. But having that other thing to turn to, in my case, which was property, it really did help with having a schedule and giving 
made that that work balance. You know, it was it was really good for me. Mm. Excellent. Um, a question from Samara Smith. Hi guys. Um, it's a question for Alan. Would you rather watch Newcastle lift the Premier League from the stands or experience scoring the winner for them one last time at the peak of your career? Oh, well, I've had, no, I've had that feeling, so I'd much prefer to take them win the Premier League trophy or any trophy. <laughs> I, I, want, I, want to, I want to be alive when Newcastle win a trophy. I know. I need I, to I, be. I absolutely relate to that because I, I've said this before. Um, when Leicester won the Premier League, it, that for me was the greatest sporting moment of my life. And I, you know, I obviously played a few games and won a few few things. But when Leicester won that league, even just as a fan, a I had nothing to do with it whatsoever, obviously. But it was just, it was glorious. And as a, a supporter, it's, it's funny, I think, as well. Have you found, Alan, that since when you finish your career, you think you, you follow your club and all that, obviously. But as you get older, it matters yeah. more. It Absolutely, shouldn't do because yeah. it doesn't make it's any mad. sense. You're like middle-aged men here, but we, you know, it's like it really matters how your team does. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> Newcastle haven't won a fucking trophy since 1969. I mean, uh, I wasn't even fucking born, weren't you? No, no. Next year, were you 70? Like 1970, I was born. So yeah, give me. Uh, we'll take anything. It doesn't have to be the Premier League. And I, I've scored the goals. I just want the trophy. Maybe you're the jinx. The minute <laughs> no. you were born, they stop winning things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. So give me, give me. I'd need to see Newcastle win a trophy. Micah. Well, you're just used to seeing City win everything. Yeah, uh, no, it's yeah. yeah. And we, the we're, trophies we're never coming out my sure. ears, mate. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> no ear jokes. No, no, ear no jokes. yeah. I, was, uh, I thought I better. I was going to say something. I better not. No. I knew. I could see you. I could. I could see you thinking. Um, question from utterly fed up. Our final one. Questions about goalkeepers. How much do they train on their own? Or with the rest of the team, do goalkeepers have a greater affinity with other keepers than outfield players do with their opposite numbers? That's, that's another interesting question because mostly keepers try on their own, except probably when you're doing defensive shape in particular. Oh, David James. You would have played with him, wouldn't you, Alan? I did actually, yeah. With, I played with David in the under-21s with England, yeah. When we was at Man City, so I was coming through 17, 18, and the goalkeepers do their own warm-up and then they go off and do their own goalkeeper training. And then they come into the session, whether that sometimes possession or if we're doing some shape. After training, David James used to just give me the curly finger. Curly finger, come here, you. So I'm thinking like... Not the middle finger. No, no, not middle. No, not the middle finger. Not the middle one. Um, But really nice. Not not horrible with it. And every day after training, basically, someone would take corners. He would stand in goal. And basically, I was just the mannequin. So I used to just go up. And jump up and try head the ball, and he just used to come out and go, oh, yeah. James! <laughs> and like, have you seen the size of him? And like, <laughs> there was one time where he jumped up, and I've got a very good leap, and I jumped up and just nicked it across and put it into the bottom corner. He said, What the fuck are you doing? I'm like, 
what do you want me to do? I'm making it as realistic as possible. He said, I want you to jump with me, not not score. Everyone out there is looking at me thinking, I can't even punch one out against a, a fucking academy graduate. I was like, J-Mo, please, I'm just doing my job. And, and back then, when you're like, oh, you're dear. just coming through, you can't say anything because it's a senior pro. You want to be respectful. But honestly, the day I stopped doing that was one of the, the best times of my career because it was just brutal. They're a different breed, aren't they, goalkeepers? They're a strange they're a different lot. breed. I mean, they've got the keepers' union, haven't they? And Yeah, they're, they're, they're different. You have to be, don't you, to be in goal, though? Oh, you've got, oh, you yeah. got to be mad. I mean, yeah. towards the end of my career, when I had the courage to talk to coaches and say to them, "I just can I just do finishing rather than all the five-a-side nonsense and all that? Um, and I used to get a big bag of balls and t- get a goalkeeper and go and um, practice against them one-on-ones and get mm. someone to cross and stuff but aside from that no you're, you're absolutely right they, they they're a f- they're a funny old <laughs> they, they really are and they try to stop us doing our job exactly they're getting away don't they sometimes yeah. bloody annoying creatures very annoying yeah yeah and, and on that note we'll take our gloves off and um, call it a day um, but um, thanks once again for all your questions massively appreciated and goodbye until later in the week goodbye from me goodbye from me have a good week cheers